I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Hi everyone and welcome to the Power 365 show. I'm pleased to introduce John Levesque, an energetic Microsoft Flow program leader. He's a senior program manager at Microsoft working on Microsoft Flow. He manages the pillars of the community, evangelism and engagement for the Microsoft Flow product. For full show notes, please go to nz365guide.com forward slash 128. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, John, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. How's it going? Good, man. Look at that. I just like forgot the name of my podcast, but uh, <laughs> I was just like pausing, like, do I know that? Okay. Yeah, yeah, man. So it's good. And I, I take it you're all gearing up because you're about to do a, a 48 hour live stream. Is that right? Uh, it's not 48. Uh, it's it's only nine hours. It is from 6 a.m. Pacific to 3 p.m. Pacific. There is a there is a actual event that's going 24 or 48 hours, though, but that is not me. I was going to say, you're soft, mate. You're soft. I was, I was up for 48, 72 hours. I thought that was the, the, that was the plan. No, no. I'm, I am too soft for that. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, good to have you on the show. Um, let's uh, find out a bit about you. Where do you come from? Where do you hail from? Where does that interesting last name of yours have its origins? Yeah, so uh, my last name is actually very French. Uh, it's a French Quebecois name, so my whole family is up there. So I'm a, I'm a Canadian by blood, but uh, I'm the first wow. born American, and I was actually mm-hmm. born in Connecticut. So I'm an East Coaster, which I think is where I get that bold and brashness from, where I just say whatever I want without it really filtering <laughs> it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I actually, uh, when I was 19, I moved to Seattle, where I live now. I've been here for let's age myself. Let's see, it'll be uh, 16 years in, in a few wow. months. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. And, and any plans to live in any other part of the world? You know, I think once my kids are grown, I will probably go and live around the world in a few different places. I think I've, I visited so many amazing places that I'm like, Oh, I could live here. Oh, I could live here. I could live here. So maybe I'll mm-hmm. try and live in all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, it's a good plan. You know, I've, what uh, I'm, I'm on three countries in at the moment for long-term living. So nice. Yeah, it works. It works. So tell us a bit about your family. Yeah. So I, I got uh, a, a fiance now, very recent announcement. Uh, if you guys follow my channel, you can, I made a video about it where we go to Hawaii. It's a lot of fun to come along. Uh, we together have three kids. I have two, I have a girl and a boy and she has a girl as well. So we have our little Brady bunch that we're forming. And uh, we live in a town called Lake Stevens, Washington. It's uh, it's a beautiful little town. It's about 45 minutes north of Seattle. And uh, it's a great place if you love hiking. It's a gateway to a lot of nature. It's very close to all of the passes and all of the beaches. And so you kind of get a, a good opportunity to go and see all the different nature here. It's a, it's a lovely spot. So is that pretty much what you get up into your spare, in your spare time? Like I've watched a few of your videos, you know, uh, you're world famous uh, when it comes to YouTube, and we'll make sure we put all those uh, the links to your profile, etc., um, and your YouTube channel and whatnot in the in the show notes. But what else do you you know? I see you do a lot of uh, tramping, like hiking and things like that. What else do you get up to? Yeah, so uh, a lot of it is YouTube. A lot of my spare time these days is spent making videos. And so I have this rule, though, about making videos. And, and it actually comes from a guy named Gary V. And his his whole rule is document, don't create. And so what I've tried to do is just really document my life. Like, am I building some flow solution? Cool, let's make a video about that. Am I going hiking or hanging with the kids or going tubing or racing cars or whatever it is that day? Let's make a video about it. So that's one piece of it really is just like documenting a lot. But then 
On the other side of things, I, I'm just always trying to do something new. I want to experience new things. And so, you know, very recently I went and, and rented some cars uh, and raced around a racetrack with my buddy Kent. And uh, we we jumped off of the stratosphere when I was in Vegas a few months ago. Um, when I'm home, it's definitely hiking. I try and hike to the highest mountaintops I can get to so that I can get the best views. Uh, I have this weird thing about I don't want to take it in with the picture. I want to see it with my own eyes. I want to be the one that takes the picture for other people to look at. And so I'm always trying to find new spots, unknown spots, really far out spots uh, where where your interaction with people is going to be minimal. Because I think it's it's key for me in my job with so much interaction with people to kind of be able to step away out into that nature and get away from it sometimes. Very helpful to balance everything out. So true, so true. I, I hear what you say about Gary V, and and I see as Kent Ware that you uh, you did that whole um, video where you know how, how do you go to build like everything yeah. from if you're going to be a speaker all the way through, and I'm like, you know, that's right on, right? You're documenting the journey, and I just thought so many people would find content like that that you know they find. You know, they've, they've asked to go to build as and as a speaker. They get, you know, particularly MVPs often now are getting in to speak at these events. And they're like, wow, how do I lift my game to the next level? Yep. And you've documented your journey on it. Yep, totally, totally. And that was actually, you know, that that video started the whole journey. I, at that point, we didn't know, I didn't know that I was going to start a YouTube channel and be very serious about it. But that video actually kicked off that whole journey to where I was like, wow, this was really fun. And I just kept doing it. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so cool. So tell us about your career now and and even actually before we talk about what you do now, which is of course around Microsoft Flow, tell us about your history and journey into Microsoft. Oh man, okay. So I have quite a wild uh history actually. I have a very unorthodox history. So um I'll I'll skip through some of the early parts rather quick, but long story short, I dropped out of high school and I got a general education diploma. Um, which is you get to take a test after your class graduates if you don't want it. So they told me I was going to have to go back because I was a bad student. So they told me I was going to have to go back for an extra year. And I was like, no. And I quit. And I waited for my class to finish. And then I went and took a test to get my diploma. And then from there, I tried some college. And I was like, yeah, no, college isn't for me. So I never went to college. And so right there uh, is it's been, you know, just knowing that kind of creates an interesting set of circumstances for you. Then it's how do you then get to the place you want to be? And so for me, my path was I started in IT. I kind of had a natural knack for technology. I was that kid taking apart Xboxes and Playstations in my neighborhood. I'd go on Craigslist and I'd get like 10 broken Playstation 2s and I would Frankenstein them together into two working ones. And I'd give them to my friends so we could game together. And uh, and so hardware was just always this natural thing for me. So I, I actually started hanging out at the local computer shop. And the guy just started giving me work. Yeah, learn this, learn this, try that, try that. He never paid me, but like he always gave me a bunch of free stuff. And I learned a ton. And uh, and so that kind of got me going down IT. So that that was like, all right, cool. I have some skills here. Maybe I'll try help desk. I like helping people. I'll go there. And help desk led to systems, led to networking, led to me saying, wow, I don't really want to be in technology. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. so so I, I actually I was at HTC at the time, the big uh, they're the Taiwanese phone company. They make the Vive. I'm sure you know who HTC is. At that time, I'm like, you know what? I really. I like talking about technology, but I don't like actually touching it. Why don't I do marketing? And and so I actually started hanging out with the marketing group at HTC and asking them, hey, what can I do for you? And so they'd give me little odd jobs and I would nail the odd jobs. And so then they'd give me bigger odd jobs and I'd nail those. And suddenly I would finish my IT work. I was the help desk guy and the systems guy. I'd finish that work half the day and I'd go work with the marketing team the other half of the day. And uh, and so this gave me my background, some some resume bullet points to say I was doing marketing. That actually got me a contract position at Microsoft on a product called Windows App Studio, which was Microsoft's very first foray into the low-code, no-code space. So before there was Power Apps or Flow, before there was even Project Sienna, there was a thing called Windows App Studio. 
And so there was a guy, Brian Tomlinson. He was the program manager there. And there was me. And we together created an amazing community and program. We took this little rinky dink Windows app UWP maker and turned it into a million a month user product. And, uh, and so because of that success, Brian got promoted and actually Microsoft came to me and was like, Hey, you did a really good job over here. We have this other product called Project Sienna that's just starting up. We'd like to offer you a blue badge. So instead of being a vendor, we'd love to direct hire you and have you come and work on this product and help us build community around it. I'm like, yeah, okay. I, you know, like, and, and so at this point, getting a job at Microsoft was actually one of my biggest life goals. Get a blue badge was the top of my life goals at this point, like the highest one. And so there it was, boom, I got my, my blue badge, like life goal one completed. And, uh, and so then I worked on that product and Project Sienna, for those of you that don't know, became Power Apps. And I worked on that product also for a year. I was on the Sienna team for, I think, six months before it became Power Apps and then a year on the Power Apps team. And then I left for a little while to go to a startup. Uh, I Yeah, a drone startup because I love drones. I, no I don't know if way. I mentioned that. Oh, my gosh. I'm a drone fanatic. I have two of them now. I, wow. I used to have three, um, but that was a bit it, it, much, you know, eccentric. <laughs> so I got rid of one. Uh, no going up to Vancouver with those, right, anymore? No, they're, Canada's getting really strict on them. Um, Mate, they just, last week, I think they just did a full ban. Like, I was in Vancouver last week, and they've, yeah, just come out with laws. It's a $6,000 fine if you, fly, if you fly without license, and the license is equivalent to almost a pilot license without having to control a plane. Wow. It's ridiculous. That's crazy. Yeah, next level. I hope we don't get to that here. That would be ah, disappointing. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah, agreed. Anyhow, continue on. Tell us. Yeah, about no. So, uh, so I went to this drone company. I was the um, mark uh, director of marketing U.S. Uh, and I actually one of my favorite pieces of media that I've ever created. Uh, one of my favorite pieces of content is this commercial. It's called "The Wilderness Awaits." Uh, I'll be sure to get you a link for it so people can see it. But is it is it the one with your daughter? Yeah, my daughter oh, is in I've it. I've seen it. Sick. Totally yeah. awesome. I love it. It was just the most fun project, and it got half a million views, and it did wow. really well. And wow. and so that was a cool one. But then from there, um, I actually decided, you know, the startup thing is cool, um, but having to fly to China all the time because it was a Chinese startup, that was just taxing on me. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to go look around and see what else there is. And funny enough, uh, Stephen Siciliano, who I think you've had on the show, yeah, yeah, uh, reached out to me and said, hey, John, we're we're the flow team now. We have this new thing happening. would love for you to come do community for us. And so I was like, yeah, okay, cool. And and so I came over there, and, and it's now been two years and eight months that I've been on the flow team. Wow. Wow. So, so you are, you know, pretty much known around the world as the flow guru, you know, whether it's events you're speaking at community, what's the recent change though, that's happened in your job role directly affecting, for example, the MVP program. So, uh, oh, re regarding MVPs. Yeah. So we recently split, uh, the, we used to be power apps and flow as one MVP category. And we have recently split them apart into power apps, comma flow. And I think that that does, I, I have fought for that for a long time. That decision to combine them, unfortunately was made in my face. We'll say, no, no, no. That's where these products are heading one day. Um, and, and I will happily sit here and say that that person was wrong, that I said the whole time that the, these products are not going to become one. And, uh, and now here we are down the road. These products are not one thing. They are a family, but Power Apps and Flow are two separate products with two separate identities. Therefore, we just thought it would make sense to separate out the contribution areas. Similarly, how Power BI has its own. Similarly, how everything else has its own. Yeah, so so just so we're clear, it's still Microsoft Biz Apps is the award category, but now there's a separation when it comes to contributions between Flow uh, uh, and Power Apps. They're two totally separate subcategories, correct? Yes, totally correct. Awesome. So anyhow, tell us about now the last two years and this amazing Flow journey we've all been on. Man, okay, so... It's funny. The the first what I was hired to do in this in this position was actually be a PM focused on community. 
And and so when I first started this job, what I took that to mean was do community the way I've done community every other place, right? Build a platform that allows other people to connect, contribute, share, learn, right? It's about a platform and, a, and an ecosystem, right? That's really what I've always focused on is how do I build the tooling that allow people to have community? And so I, I feel like I've done that in every place, right? A forum, social media, uh, interaction with the product group, plenty of, of places to go and get information, right? That stuff is, is the easy part. And so that's what I focused on again for the first year. It's kind of the way I picture it uh, visually is I picture a large crowd of people and then I'm standing behind them all with my arms open, like, okay, everybody, let's go this way, this way, right? That's, that's what community building was. Or is when you think of it in the platform sense of trying to create the ecosystem, you're trying to make sure that every single person is moving the same direction. And so then I did that for a good year, year and a half, I'd say, eh, probably about a year. And then for the last 18 months, I've changed my tactic because the platform was done. The tooling was done. All of this stuff is in place. Well, now what do I do? Well, I said, instead of standing at the back and telling everyone, come this way, go this way, I'm going to go stand at the front and I'm going to say, all right, everybody, follow me, right? And so now it's a different kind of leadership where instead of trying to make sure everyone's heading the same direction, now I'm just leading the charge and saying, we're all going this way. And, and, and so it's like I'm the flag bearer now, right? Beating the drum, everyone follow this way. And instead of trying to have other people be the leaders while I'm standing at the rear doing the tooling, I'm instead now trying to set the example of what I want to see. Yeah, yeah, excellent. So you're kind of saying now mirror what I'm doing yes. and, and, and we'll all go together in this direction. Exactly. I like it, I like it. So interesting, you know, in the past, the MVP program has been very focused, if you like, on technology, depth, expertise, that type of thing. And of course, flow is really targeted at a non-technologist skill set, right? It's, it's been made to be uh, easy to use and, and if you like, allow, you know, uh, information workers, people working whatever job they are, subject matter experts, whether it be in medical, whether they be in manufacturing, whether they be in hospitality, to actually start automating some of that repetitive mundane in their lives. How, how do you see uh, the opportunity, if you like, for these people to become MVPs through, you know, what they're learning, their evangelism, their communication with the, with the, their audiences um, moving forward. Yeah, I think, I think I actually have a perfect example of it already working well. And her, and her name is Melissa Hubbard. Right. And I think if you look at Melissa Hubbard, Melissa Hubbard is not a, her, her technical depth is not like the deepest, right? And this is not a slight to her. She would admit this, right? She would admit this openly. What Melissa has is an ability to communicate technical things to non-technical people. And she has an ability to take a problem and help you solve it with this tool set, right? And so, so can she write you an API? No. But could she make a flow connect to an API to do a certain thing for you? Absolutely. And so I think this is really the difference of how I'm seeing it is I, I absolutely have deep technical MVPs. I have John Liu, who is yeah. like the flow wizard, right? That guy could from do Zealand? anything. Yeah, uh, from Australia. Is he from, Australian, uh, is he? Yep, yep. I don't know why I thought he was New Zealand, yeah. Yeah, no, I have Eliza also. Mm -hmm. She's from mm -hmm. New Zealand. She's actually moving mm -hmm. back there. Yeah. Um, but but I have deep technical people, but I'm also looking for people who – who are solving things, who are creating solutions, who are helping business users be more effective as well. And, and I actually have a few of them. Melissa's the first one, but there's a couple others that are up and coming as well, where I feel like it's not so much about, can you pass this exam? But it's more about, can you communicate this effectively to someone who's trying to understand it in a way that actually gets them going? And I think that that's just as important for me, right? And and for me, a lot of the ways I'm sourcing my MVPs is a little bit different, I think, than others. Like for me, I tell people, you want to be a Flow MVP, you start in my community. Give give to my forums themselves. Go there, answer some questions. If you get that, you get this thing called super user. And, and that's like a forum superstar for us. And that right there is a badge of you're well on your way to MVP, 
right? There's obviously other things too, but I think that this, I want helpfulness more than technical depth, I think is the key I'm trying to get at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Now, just because I, I, I want to drill into um, content creation because you're one of the very unique Microsoft folks that I've come across that actually, um, I'm going to say practice what you preach, but you practice what you preach, which is right on. which is which is quite unique, right? I, I've I've have struggled over the years with people telling me how Twitter works that don't have a Twitter account, you know? Yes. And, 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 but let's go, we'll, let's go there momentarily. First of all, tell us about Microsoft Flow and its relationship to the Power Platform, um, or it's, let's say Power App specifically, um, that there's a historic legacy of a workflow tool within, you know, the, the, the Power Platform. What is the relationship between that tool and Microsoft Flow? And if you like, what are the, I suppose, the differences? And, and you know, both of them have their strengths. Tell, tell us about what your view is between those two tool sets. Yeah, so I think what you're referring to is the uh, the Windows Workflow Designer, which is your, your Dynamics yeah, yeah. Workflow tool. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's two, I think, that we should talk about. There's the Dynamics Workflow piece, and then there's also the SharePoint Workflow Designer piece. And Flow, for, for lack of a better term, has been announced as the successor to both of these tools. And so I think the major differences really is that in either of those systems, you were very limited to the system you were in, right? Like SharePoint Workflow Designer works very well with SharePoint and, and, and Dynamics Workflow works very great with Dynamics. But you're, you're kind of locked into these systems unless you do some very heavy custom coding to integrate these into other things. And so the beauty with Flow is, is we're bringing you an integration platform that says you can do SharePoint, you can do Dynamics in the ways that you have. But also, here is a whole platform of 300 other things that you can connect those systems to, to make your data more efficient, to make your data more valuable, to pull in other info, to enrich your data, to move things around automatically, to visualize. There's, you know, the the beauty of Flow is there's just so many things additionally that it can do. Now, I will say, is it one for one with Dynamics Workflow? Can it do everything that Dynamics Workflow could do right now? The answer is no. But we are working on parity in both directions. Same thing for SharePoint Workflow Designer. We get that question all the time. Can it do everything that it could do? Not yet, but we are working on it. You know, The big thing we like to remind everyone is the product is just two and a half years old. And so we are running as fast as we can to catch up to all of these much older products, um, and we will get there. But but some of those things aren't there yet, but there's just so many more things you can do now that you couldn't do before. Mm. And, and it's a, it's a cloud-first workflow engine. Like a lot of the historic solutions out there were never built directly on the cloud. Is that right? That's correct, yes. Most yeah. of them were focused on-prem and did some sort of replication if you needed yeah. cloud connection. Yeah, which is it's it's a replication of the the Power BI story, which was the first real enterprise grade BI application built cloud first, not you know a hardware or on prem first, and then migrated. Which yep. is a journey we're seeing with a lot of these apps. That's awesome. So just just give us a bit of background in your view of the origin story of Flow two and a half years ago. Yeah, uh, I actually just got a history lesson on this uh, very recently, so I have some some good info on this. Um, nice, nice. So there's a team called Logic Apps, and the Logic Apps team was the only workflow team. They're an Azure tool, and for a while when Flow didn't exist, Logic Apps was really in this space. Well, uh, there was a hackathon project that comes. So at, at every summer at Microsoft, there's the one-week hackathon well, during that hackathon week, a couple people on the Logic Apps team decided, what if we could try and make this easier? What if we could turn this tool into a business user tool and abstract away some of this Azure stuff and just try and give every user this workflow ability? And so that's literally how Flow was made. Steven and Charles and a couple of those guys uh, got together and and actually made a a proof of concept version of Flow. Uh, from there, it actually got picked up as a real project and Steven was given the team and on the Power Platform. And so Flow kind of spun off of the Logic Apps team. And, and we still work very closely with the Logic Apps team. We, we share a lot of code. Uh, we talk to them every day. And so that's still a, a very, very prevalent relationship. 
Okay, so so it is Logic Apps is a separate team, but would we uh, be safe in saying that Flow is built directly on Logic Apps? Yeah, under the covers, every Flow is a Logic App. Excellent, excellent. Which which brings out the extensibility in that uh, where let's say the current UI of Flow might not reach where you want to go, you could actually pick that up and and from a Logic App point of view, extend as needed, right? Absolutely, yeah. So let's say I'm a citizen developer and I build this cool flow and I'm like, okay, this is great, but I wish it could do this thing that I don't know how to do. And I go to my IT team and I'm like, hey, IT guy, I wish my flow could do this thing. And he's like, oh yeah, I could do that. You then go to your flow, you export that flow as a Logic App package, you send that to him however you want. He then imports that into Logic Apps, goes ahead and builds that functionality in for you, and then can go ahead and package it up and send it back to you. Nice, nice. We're uh, a month or two away from a whole bunch of feature drops happening. Oh, um, yeah. A, a, a bunch in beta now. What, what are you most excited about what's been announced? Oh man, I <laughs> I wish I could talk about it. I just I just got put on a gag order about Ignite. Oh, oh no no, we're talking we're talking about the stuff that's already in the the release notes that have been dropped. Ah okay okay. I'm not I'm not I'm not, I'm not talking future NDA stuff here. I'm talking about what of the the re- the the features that we're expecting to hit the platform as in in the next release, yes. which is already in beta. What what are the the key ones that you're like, yeah, this is awesome, uh, we got yeah. this in. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, I think the AI builder inside of Flow, a lot of people nice. are talking about yep. AI builder with Power Apps. And, mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. cool. Like, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of cool things you can do there. But some of the AI builder stuff with Flow, like form recognition, like imagine now where I can have a, a form sent to me a flow is listening for that attachment in my email inbox, grabs that form, runs it through form processing, already has all of the fields identified, goes ahead and grabs out the information it needs, knowing exactly where what it needs and where to put it. It then goes and fills out like a PDF template to create an invoice out of that order. It then sends you and that user both a copy of that order, right? It's like suddenly now the automation that we can get into goes to such a next level because the intelligence is so much higher. Whereas previously you had to define what everything was in every step of the flow. Now the flow is able to actually learn. You can build models and teach it. And as it learns, it actually gets smarter because you can feed the information back into the model. And so it becomes this very wild set of cognitive services that are tied right into the platform that we can tap into, which just, it, it gets me, like, I, I start thinking of all the possibilities and, and I start stuttering because I just, my mind goes a hundred different directions on everything you could do. Yeah, excellent. What resources and training are available out there for the community to, to you know, people want to get up and running on Flow, sink their teeth into it. What do you recommend? Just on Flow itself? Oh, man, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, just on Flow. So if you go to flow.microsoft.com and on the left-hand side you click learn, uh, this is going to be your first location. I actually just remade this experience. And so it's a, a learning guide broken up by beginner, intermediate, advanced, and admin. And so there's a tab for each page and you just kind of walk yourself through this learning journey. And so that's the first one. Um, and the second one, a little shameless plug, is every week I do a brand new tutorial video on my YouTube channel. I have a playlist of all of those videos. I think there's 58 or 59 now. And what I've done is every week, I actually go and I reorder the playlist. So when I make new content, I don't just drop it on the end. I actually go place it in the list where I think it belongs on your learning journey. So that way, whoever starts that playlist, they're always getting a curated journey from from inter- from beginning through intermediate to advanced, all the way from beginning to end. And so that way, it's easier for people, so they don't have to guess. They're just like it's just I just go down the list and I'll learn what I need to learn as I go. Yeah, I like it. Well, it's been great talking to you about flow. And giving those resources, but I kind of want to change gears now and, and I suppose get a little selfish and talk about, you know, y- your experiences around content creation. Because as I say, you're one of these guys out there that are really practicing what you're preaching. And just just give us a rundown to start with of what social media channels that you're regularly communicating on. 
<laughs> um, okay, so my big one is Twitter. Uh, that's probably 20 hours a week, I would say, um, on Twitter. Uh, the next one is LinkedIn. And, and then the, obviously I'm really having a big push on my YouTube. Um, but honestly, away from there, I also do Facebook and I also am a Yelp elite. Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. I've, I've never got into Yelp because, you know, I think it's a very American centric. Yeah. Outside of America, no one, no one cares about it type thing. That's what I've heard. And it's funny because whenever I pull it out in Europe, everyone makes fun of me. They're like, ah, ha, ha, look at the American with Yelp. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, and then also I'm, I've recently started this beer social media thing called Untapped as well. Okay. So I, I think I'm on six or seven social media networks. I have a sickness, I think. So, so, so I'm going to drill into a couple of these, right? Because, um, you know, I, I'm heavy on, on, the, on these platforms as well. Tell me about your Twitter game. And why I say Twitter game, it's kind of like, um, kind of like what runs through your mind when you're thinking about specifically engagement on Twitter. What's your kind of like day in a life that you can share? Yeah. Um, so I, my Twitter Okay, so there's two sides. I run the official flow Twitter. And on that side of things, I try and keep a very official voice. There's no personality. There's just information. And and so I do that because it's Microsoft. They're, they don't really like to have a, a brand have personality. And that's no, – no. I don't say it in a bad way. They just they're, – they're cut and yeah. dry, right? Yeah, and, and there's a bunch of people who will never follow – like I never follow if, – if somebody has a logo on their Twitter account, I don't follow them. Right? Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't want no sanitized content. Twitter Twitter is the visceral side of the internet, not the marketing, you know, push stuff down my throat. So I get that. Tell yep. me about the John Levesque side of it. Yeah, yeah, okay. So on my side, I try and bring the personality. I try and create a couple of things. So one, I've really tried to become the central point of all flow information. And, and so this is because... I'm try I've tried to cement myself as the the pillar for the brand. If you need information, you just have one place to go, and that's to John, right? And and so this piece of it really takes a lot of time because it's a lot of relationship. It's a lot of letting people know like, "Hey, if you're going to build some flow content, tag me because I'd love to promote it." Or if you're going to do something, let me know so I can help do this or do that or offer up the platform or offer to promote it, right? And so it's a lot of connection because this does a couple of things, right? One, it gives other people a platform because I already have the platform in place to a certain degree. This helps them exponentially grow because I'm giving them extra eyes. But then in return, what it gives me is brand authority, right? Because if I am the person who is essentially announcing all of the all of the videos, all of the blogs, all of the content, suddenly the brand authority goes through me. And so um, a lot of the game is really that. It is how can I share the platform with others to help give them more exposure, more eyes, more growth? And, and also, how can I make extra connections and have their content flow through my channels so that way I'm continuing to, to gain that brand authority? Yeah. Yeah. Ted, do you have kind of, uh, are you just doing it ad hoc from a point of view on, on your mobile devices, that type of thing? Or do you have any kind of, you know, in a day on, on Twitter, I'd want to do X or Y or achieve this or achieve that? Or is it just as it comes? So I think it used to be much more methodic when I felt like I had to hit certain goals. I feel like now I'm kind of to the point where a lot of it just happens organically from just talking. Um, but yes, I used to I used to actually measure, I'd go into Twitter analytics every day and I'd look at my previous day's analytics. And my goal was always to try and get about four to 6% engagement on my previous day's items. And so that doesn't sound like a lot, but, you know, I think I have like 6,000 followers. And so four to six is about, you know, what, it's 40 to 60 people interacting. And so, you know, that's not a small amount because 40 amount of people interacting that's across five posts. That's that's 12 per post, right? And this gives us a fair amount of of not only engagement through statistics, but more importantly, visibility on the platform. And I think that that was really always the goal is how can I 
gain visibility and visibility always came through engagement. And so engagement was just that, that simple number that I'd look at. But I think if you're, if you're trying to up your game and you're trying to measure in some way, your Twitter game, I would say, do what I did. Go check the analytics. You can get Twitter analytics for free. Uh, you just go to analytics.twitter.com, sign in with your account. They're all free for everyone. Um, and, and look at your engagement rates on all your posts and try and pay attention to what kind of posts actually get engagement and which ones get ignored and then try and actually do more of what gets engagement, but, but not to a sickening degree. Don't overdo it, right? Because then you're going to swing the pendulum the other way and those things will stop getting engaged with if you overdo it. Yeah, yeah. It's not that you're trying to game the system. You want genuine engagement, right? Yes, yes, exactly. And so try to learn. Don't try to game. Totally, totally. Yeah. Tell me about your tools for Twitter. Uh, yeah. what, what, like, like I don't just use a Twitter app, right? I use another app as another tweeting app called, uh, heck, I can't even read it. I'm going to put my glasses on here. It's called Tweetbot. And I've had it for as before Twitter, it had a decent app. Uh, it was one of the first, uh, you know, top rated iOS apps. Yep. What, what, what are you using? I'm using Buffer actually. Um, yep. I used to use Hootsuite, but they became very expensive and so I went to Buffer. Buffer is like ten or twelve dollars a month, and it gives you five social accounts. And so I just use it for my Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. The rest of the things I like YouTube, Instagram, uh, Yelp, all the other stuff, I just manage individually. And and to be quite honest, what I do for this is I only schedule one post per day on on Facebook and LinkedIn because I feel like that's the level of engagement I'm going for. And on Twitter, I actually only schedule two and the rest of it is all organic. But what I'm doing with the buffer is I'm trying to give a historical view. So the way I think about my Twitter life now is John, as I tweet, is live talking about today, talking about whatever is on his mind. But the buffer is consistently trying to remind you of all the things John has done. Oh, hey, do you want to learn flow? Check out this playlist. Oh, did you know that you can do this? Check out this video. Oh, you want to invite your friend to the flow conference? Awesome. Here's this link. It'll be in 10 days, right? It's all the informational pieces of, of the content I've created that I'm trying to resurface and get more value from. That Those are the things I'm programming. Nice. Nice. It makes sense to me. Do you have any other tools, um, particularly um, interested around any other type of analytical tools besides what uh, Twitter provides you? So for Twitter, no, I, I use their analytics only. Um, but for YouTube, I recently bought a product called TubeBuddy. And this thing has been phenomenal in, in my YouTube life. Oh my gosh. And I bought the Lifetime Platinum membership, like the biggest one, so I could have all the tools. And and let me tell you, I mean, just just the the since I got the tool, my view counts and my subscriber counts have been on such a a high rise. It's it's been worth every penny. And so for those of you that aren't aware, TubeBuddy, it's an analytical tool, but it also is a suggestion engine. So for instance, when I create a video, it often will suggest me tags to use that will rank. So that way, when people go search those keywords, they're guaranteed to find my video in those search terms. And also, it can help with titling. It can help generate thumbnails. It can do bulk changes to tags and descriptions. And it's this high-powered – if you're doing YouTube, uh, I have to recommend you definitely checking out TubeBuddy because it does take your game to the next level. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. We've gone to YouTube, so let's talk about YouTube for a bit. You got over six thousand followers on YouTube, yeah. which is that's uh, you know in our industry that's that's a, a big big audience. Yeah, and and uh, you know I see it's growing at a phenomenal rate. Tell us about you know when you think of YouTube and its future in regards to Power Apps, Flow, Dynamics. You know the Microsoft Biz App area that we play in do you do you really see as this is a very important um place for community contributors to really get involved with yeah i definitely do i think that it's it's a it's a new how do i how do i put it um so i have been telling microsoft that we need to have a youtube strategy for a while and they have disagreed which is why i have my own channel and have my own youtube strategy 
Um, but I think that when we look at Generation X and Generation Y and the amount of time that they're spending on YouTube, not on the web, not on Facebook, on YouTube, like we, if we want to begin to speak to the younger generation, to the next generation coming up, we have to be there. They're spending 70% of all their viewing time there. And so I think that that, you know, just that one fact alone is, is vital that we must be there. But I think secondary to that, I'm already seeing a whole crop of content creators come up in this area. I mean, there's a lot of flow shows that are happening now. There's a lot of power app shows that are happening now. I have one of the things with TubeBuddy is I have a, a alert system set up to scrape YouTube every day and show me the new videos that have Microsoft Flow or power apps in them. And we're talking like three to 10 videos coming out every single day. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. And, and so, you know, now to think of the one side of who we want to reach, if we want to reach the next generation, we have to be there, one. But two, now let's look at where our people who are creating content already are, and they're already here. And so that's the next reason why we must embrace this place, right? And then I think the third piece of it is, is accessibility. If you think about what are the accessible platforms that everyone can get it can be a part of with no barrier. YouTube is one of those things. And so I think that this is the third piece why we really, really must focus on YouTube. And so for me, obviously, it's very important. It's a massive part of my strategy. And, and so I've, I've, I'm trying my hardest to convince my team of this all. But Microsoft mm-hmm. is a big engine and it's hard to move totally. sometimes and things like that. Um, but T- Totally, totally. Yeah. You got to pick, pick your battles, right? So, so tell me about the tool set. Um, that you have, like, and I'm talking about from cameras through to post production, yeah. mics, uh, drones, blah, blah. You know, tell us about, you know, uh, what, what, what's your tool set? Man, my face just lit up. This is my favorite stuff to talk about. <laughs> okay. Um, so, sitting at my desk, I'll do first. I have a, a different kit for desk videos versus on the go videos. So, at the desk, it's easier. I have a, uh, I'm talking on it right now. It's a blue Yeti. Uh, the ultra black edition of their desktop mic. Uh, I have a set of PSB uh, 7.1 headphones, and I have a Logitech 4K webcam for my main camera. And then next to me, I will usually put my GoPro 7 Hero Black as a second shooter. So that's my desk setup. Okay, and are you plugging those into... um a single mix feed or are you just recording directly to your chip on the, on the GoPro? So uh, I will actually just record to the chip on the GoPro, gotcha. but and I you, will and record. And post. Yep. Yeah, I, did, yeah. I do uh, all the rest of the inputs into Camtasia for my desktop capture stuff because Camtasia just works. It always just works. And so I've always used it. Um, and then I'll, I'll, yeah. And so for post-processing, then I take everything out of Camtasia and I actually go to Adobe Premiere. Gotcha. And so in Adobe Premiere, I'll then go ahead and take my, my output Camtasia track that I'll, I'll put as an MP4. I'll basically go do all my edits. I'll output that video as a final piece. Then I'll take my GoPro footage. I'll take that footage. I'll take some audio, my intro, my out screens, and then I'll make a whole production in Premiere out of it. Now, on the go is a whole different kit. Um, so this is my pro stuff. So I have, when I'm doing vlogs, it's usually just my GoPro Hero 7 on a stick Mm -hmm. for looking Mm -hmm. at me Mm -hmm. and talking to me. And then I also have a Hero 6 that I wear on head mounts. If you ever see me walking around and see my feet, it's usually because I'm wearing this thing on my head. Yeah. So is that, is that, is that the little cube job or you got the full size on the, on your head? Uh, I got the full size on that one too, because I wanted the waterproof. Uh, We do a lot of random extreme things. And so waterproof was an important feature. Um, and then, so that's like just me. Now, if, if I have my full kit, now my real camera is a Panasonic GH5S and I got the S because I wanted the low light ability because of the dual ISO. And so you sacrifice, uh, image stabilization built into the camera. So the GH5 has stabilization, but no dual ISO. The GH5S has dual ISO, but no stabilization. 
And so because I have no stabilization, I went and bought myself a DJI Ronin S, which is a a, a gimbal uh, gimbal that you Mm -hmm. put the camera on. So it keeps it perfectly steady. So now I have both. I have low light and I have stabilization. Do you love that gimbal? I love that gimbal. I don't carry it myself to film myself. It's You'll notice I get filmed a lot. And so whenever I'm being filmed, that's usually what we're using. So Okay, so you've, you've got somebody else running that cam for you. I do, yes. Nice. Uh, his name is like Gabriel. It. And uh, you've probably met him. A lot yeah, of people met have met him. Met him. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. A, we're a duo where he makes me look good all the time. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, so then we have a Rode mic that goes on top of that. Uh, just the just the cheap one hundred dollar version, not the three hundred dollar version. So the, is it is it the micro or the or the larger one? It is. It's the new micro, the red and black, brand new, yeah. just came out micro, and it, oh my gosh, it's awesome. Nice. Have you seen uh, Rode's latest um, wireless clip on? Oh, I have not. Man, it is. I as I was speaking in a user group the other day, and and the guy you know mic'd me up with it, and I looked at his video. It was the it was the Bristol user group afterwards, and he was okay. shooting from a SLR on on a tripod at the back, and the audio is mint. Nice. Oh, I'm yeah. gonna have to look into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. And so, okay, so do you do any editing on an iPad or anything like that? Um, I do some stuff on my phone on iMovie. Um, but that's usually like when I'm on the go and just doing like a promo. Now, again, um, I used to do a ton just, just editing on the go. I, I used to have like a little MacBook and use iMovie to do a lot of my early stuff. Um, but again, as I have expanded the skill set, uh, I have tried to make a workflow that I can sit at my desk and actually do this all. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I like it. I like. Okay. So, it, do you have any lighting rig? I do. I have. Uh, I have a three light setup. Two two big cans and one low exposed light. Um, I have a, a backdrop. I, I rarely use the backdrop. I like natural backdrops to just kind of make it feel like we're conversational rather than this is a staged thing of me talking to you. So, I very purposely don't use backdrops very often. So, so what about lighting in the field? Like if you're out and about, do you, do you have any, you know, let's say you got that gimbal cam, do you have a, a spotty on that if you're in a darker environment? Like, you know, I've found like you're, you're, you're in the, you're at the event, you know, and it's your, your 20 minutes before the main stage goes live with the keynote, for example, and yep. the room lights are dimmed and you don't get a high, you know, uh, uh, you know, quality image. And I know you got that low ISO on your camera, right, for the low yep. light. So do you use any spots in that sort of scenario? Actually, we don't have any on the go. We just try and position ourselves in natural light or, yeah, or yeah. decent light as much as possible. And and sometimes you'll notice we have to fix things in post. We'll have to we'll have to overexpose something in post to try and equalize it. And then we'll we'll only use a shortcut of that video since it's yeah, so yeah, bad. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of that stuff. I I probably should be a little more prepared with one of those like ring lights on the go that you can just flip mm-hmm. on. But uh, right now we've we've been very much on the fly. Like kind of we'll figure it out. Awesome. So you say you got Gabriel working with you. Is he kind of like an intern or, or what's the story there? How does that work? So Gabriel officially is the Microsoft Flow community manager. And so nice. since I have stepped into the evangelist role, uh, I needed someone to come in and take over the nuts and bolts of running the community. And so he takes he he now runs all of that. Um, but in addition to that, he comes with video production background and cameraman background. And so that was actually one of the main reasons why I wanted him above anyone else. And so he's been able to help yeah, take that to the next level. So we, I tell everyone, we're a team, right? Like I'm the face. It's my face you see. But if you notice the quality of the videos going up over the last 18 months here, like consistently, it's because Gabriel's just up in the game all the time. Yeah. Nice. Listen, um, I know we're coming to the top of the hour. Just to uh, let's talk about LinkedIn for a second. What's yep. your what, what what's your kind of what's your game for LinkedIn? I want LinkedIn to um, so on LinkedIn, I try and talk about my high level items often: keynotes and and speaking engagements and and big events. And what I'm trying to do here is build more authority, right? So, so when people come look at my LinkedIn profile, they see keynote speaker, they see, you know, conference host, they see all of these big numbers in, in the statistics and, and all of the achievements of, of my positions. I'm, I'm very much 
methodical there in the brand that I present as the biggest version of myself, the most professional version of myself. Now, I think as I am going, though, I am trying to present more sides on more platforms. And so recently, I've stepped out a little bit on LinkedIn to say, like, to tell people like, hey, work hard, play hard. Hey, here's some of my motivation stuff. Like it's not only keynote speaker, but also here's a bit of coaching. Here's a bit of advice. And, and so I'm trying to step out as that expert there and keep that face for LinkedIn. I love it. I love it. Mate, it's been good talking to you. I just would like to go through some quick fire questions with you now, just to sum up. Cool. Um, what's, what state or country do you never want to go back to? Kansas, United States. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a terrible place. I, I went there and I did not find anything great about Kansas. So. Fair call, fair call. <laughs> if you could instantly be an expert in a subject, what would it be? Flying helicopters. Nice. I, I, like I just that. feel like flying a helicopter like a like a Apache, like that would just be the coolest thing ever. Nice. I agree. I agree. Would you rather <laughs> be a star player on a losing football team or ride the bench on the winning one? I'd rather be the star player on the losing team. Nice. I think you get you, you got all the spotlight then. You're still the star player. Your team might suck, but you could be you're Antonio Brown, right? <laughs> I don't know. That's an American football <laughs> yeah, reference in a, yeah. in, a, in a controversial one now. <laughs> <laughs> ne- never heard of him. Um, yeah. What mistakes do you keep making over and over again? Oh, I oftentimes say what I want to say without measuring the effect of those words. And I do that over and over and over again. And I think that I've tried to now recently wear it as a badge of honor rather than shy away from it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What do the first 30 minutes of your typical day look like? Coffee and email. Coffee Every and single email. day. Yep. Wow. Okay. Back to that quote. You got that favorite quote for me? Okay. Um, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Nice. And I feel like that's a, it's a quote from a guy named Dr. Wayne Dyer. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't agree with much of what he says, but this quote has always stood out to me because yep. I just believe that perspective is truly everything. Mm-hmm. And I found that for me, if I can change the way I look at things, it very often changes those things I'm looking at. Yeah, yeah. No, I've read, I've read a bit of his stuff. Very good, very good. That's a, that's a great quote. John, it's been great to have you on the show. Before you go, what's the – oh, if I can only give you one social media platform that you want people to connect with you on, what what's going to be? It's my YouTube and that is youtube.com slash John L. Seattle, all one word. Okay. Do you have any recommendations for future guests for the show? Oh, yeah. Um, for In the power platform realm, you should definitely talk to Audrey Gordon. She wow. is okay. uh, a stud. She used to be on the Power Apps team, and now she's on the Flow team. So she has a good view of both worlds. Um, also Brian Dang, uh, when Brian returns, uh, he would be a great guest to have. Yeah. And then if I could give you a third one, um, you know what? Ash, Ashvini Sharma, who is a new Microsoft flow PM, uh, he is in charge of some very new and exciting things that I cannot even talk about yet. But I would imagine if you would get him, he would have some very choice nuggets to share. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. It's been great. Hey, thanks for listening. If you have not left a rating or feedback on iTunes, please can you? Just navigate to nz365guide.com forward slash iTunes, and that'll redirect you uh, to the page where you can leave your feedback. Full show notes can be found at nz365guide.com forward slash 128. Until next time, have an amazing week.